Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast. This is episode, geez, I didn't even check with you, Mitch. This is episode 40, right? 40, yes, sir. 4-0. Episode 40. It is September 21. It is officially post Iron Man episode talk, which feels good. So we'll dive into that here here shortly. But um, first and foremost, if you're uh, following along, thanks. You can check us out on uh, Spotify, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. You can check out all the other episodes of the podcast. You can also check out hillpursuit.com where we have a daily blog, um, all things training, fitness, life, everything in between and links to all the other episodes as well. So go check that out. And if you want to follow us on social media at Hill Pursuit, Facebook, Instagram, do that. And lastly, if you want to shoot us an email, hillpursuit at gmail.com, give us some feedback, ask some questions. We'd love to hear from you. So um, actually recently we had, we had a couple people reach out more so to, to me, I guess, for um, during the Ironman or leading up to or right after the Ironman. So thank you to those, those of you who reached out and you know, said good luck or said we saw you and we were cheering for you. So um, actually, Mitch, some of your relatives did that, which was really, really cool. So um, let's talk about that, actually. How did your – I didn't even ask you. You had a relative also do the same race. How would she do yeah, it was my aunt. I know we tried coordinating to get her on. Um, in the beginning, it just didn't work out. I'm already linking up to try to see what we can do now. Um, but I talked to her afterwards. She said she was happy with the swim and the bike. Um, but she said her nutrition got a little... I'm not going to go too far into it in case we will get her on. Um, but if she said her nutrition got a little bit um, crooked on her on the run. So she kind of had to not worry so much about I don't think her time. She just wanted to get her nutrition in. Um, but I followed her along the way. Um, I mean, she kept a, a super solid pace throughout the, the, the entire race. And um, But no, she's uh, – I, I think she overheated a little bit in her wetsuit right off the get-go. Um, so uh, she had to get a little bit um, caught up from that. But besides that, it sounded like everything went super, super well, and she was happy. Um, so – yeah, I think she was just nice. uh, thrilled to finish. Yeah, I mean, I think, and we'll get into it, but I think a lot of people who just crossed that finish line were just happy to get across that finish line at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really was just an absolutely brutal day, and we'll get into that. It's, it's, it's not funny, but it's ironic you said she may have overheated even in her wetsuit because that definitely happened for some people and we'll we'll dive into that but anyway first before we do that because that'll probably hog up most of the episode but how's your training going what's going on with you it was good um i felt bad that i couldn't get on for your pre-race i just i was in south carolina and um i just had i didn't have internet connection and i was probably a couple or probably a good distance away from getting did you it. did you listen though i gave you a massive shout you, you and uh with that workout that you sent me that you crushed it <laughs> yeah i listened I'm about halfway through the whole podcast so i like listen back through just to see how things are going how we say yeah. it and stuff um but yeah no so um 
I had one caveat that was that one was not in boots, um, but that oh. was, but it was it was in sand. So um, nice. you know, half one dozen the other for there. Um, the sand definitely because the roads down there are all yeah, sand yeah. roads. Gotcha, gotcha. But no, it was good. So I did uh, I did that. That was a that was a good. And last night I have something big coming up next week. And uh, last night was my last probably real big session. So um, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, so last night, and I feel pretty good now. Um, was a little bit sore at, right afterward, which is weird. Um, so the first 30 minutes of the workout was just, it was a running clock. Um, it was uh, 40 step-up lunges with a 25-pound vest right into a 400-meter run. Um, so do that for 30 minutes. And the following 30 minutes was, uh, it was a 60-pound uh sandbag get up with the weight of the sandbag being 60 pounds um followed by a k clean and press for four they're all for four and then a prone to a sprint for four that was for a half hour and i just repeated both of those half hour workouts so it's a two hour running clock session that's um, awesome i love so that it, it felt it felt good um i probably could have brought the intensity i i was kind of flirting with the intensity a little bit. I wanted to get the work in. I didn't want to kind of cut, go right into. I had to have before just jumping right in and then totally toasting myself. So I uh, I tried to just keep a, a steady pace the entire time, and I was able to. So I was happy with that. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a really fun workout design. I like that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So we'll have to hear more about your uh how your training paid off once you're done with your um event coming up but um yeah let's uh we can just kind of dive into this race so uh i don't hijack the entire you know i don't take an hour in discussing what's going on here but anyways um just kind of i'm just gonna start and if you like talk to your aunt and have anything or like a question or anything just like just cut me off because i literally will just keep talking yeah, i have a few questions written down yeah. that i'm okay. kind of curious about perfect so i haven't also if you're listening i haven't yet like put all these thoughts on um haven't put all these thoughts on on paper or in a blog yet so i will at some point i'm just still like digesting some things and I think it'd be cool. Like selfishly, I want to have it. I want to have it on, you know, in writing and on, uh, on paper, I guess, or in text. So I can go back to it and kind of see how it went. But, um, yeah, I just haven't yet. So this conversation isn't going to follow like a blog that I've already posted or anything. So, but I will in the coming days. Um, all right. So first things first, um, to, to have what's called a wetsuit legal swim, the water temperature has to be 76.1 degrees or cooler. So you can safely wear a wetsuit. Um, they do that for a few different reasons. Um, like you said, the potential, if the water temperature is warmer, the potential to overheat um, increases. And um, also there's, you know, the effect of buoyancy that, um, people, you know, based on the salinity in the water, 
you have less or more buoyancy and sometimes that's altered by the temperature, I guess a little bit, but, um, <clears throat> they, they put out a Ironman put out a post race morning that said, this is, this is crazy. You know, we'll see. I don't even know if you know this, but it said based on the number of jellyfish in the river that they would allow wetsuits to be worn in a wetsuit legal race up to 78.1 degrees. So they essentially, they allowed two extra degrees higher than they normally do because they wanted athletes to be safe against all of the jellyfish. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, I did hear about the jellyfish dilemma. Yeah. So it turns out the water was higher than 76.1. When they, when they measured the temperature race morning, it was 77.1, but due to the change in the rule, it was still what's called a wetsuit legal event. So people were still wearing full wetsuits, even though the water temperature was one degree warmer. And honestly, they take that temperature, you know, as soon as every, as soon as transition opened at 5 a.m., everybody knew it was wetsuit legal. So the day is getting warmer for the next hour and 45 minutes. By the time this race started, it could have easily been over 78. You know what I mean? So they took the temperature, they got it within the legal range, they announced it, done. That's it. They didn't like recheck it right before the race or anything. So it could have easily been 78 and a half or, or you know what I mean? It could have easily been higher than the 5 a.m. check or the 4 a.m. check. So um, everyone's got these wetsuits on. And there's, there's also, if, if for whatever reason, the temperature would have been too high, it would have been um, what's called a wetsuit optional race, which means if you wear the wetsuit, you start in the very, very back of the race because the people who want to participate in what's called, um, you know, the wetsuit legal race. So if it's not wetsuit legal, you don't wear your wetsuit. Those people start in the front. If you still want to wear your wetsuit, you can't get any awards. You can't qualify for anything. You have to start in the back. There's positives and negatives to that because obviously I'm not winning any awards. You know, I know that. And I, I just wanted to finish the race. And, you know, so I had a little bit of a dilemma myself. Thankfully, I didn't have to make that decision. But um, had the race been wetsuit optional, I told myself I was not going to wear my wetsuit because starting in the back of the pack on the swim, would then mean you're swimming over or on top of a lot of people because at least for me, my swim was pretty strong and you're starting in the back with people who felt like they quote needed the wetsuit for added safety um, or not just not safety against jellyfish. I mean, safety in the water, like added buoyancy. Um, and then by the time you're out, you're cycling past everybody because you're again, you started in the back of the pack with people who are probably a little bit slower. So I didn't want that because I wanted to race the race. I didn't want to be congested in the water and I didn't want to be congested on the bike. Thankfully, like I said, I didn't have to make that decision. The race was wetsuit legal. Hindsight, it was probably bad that it was wetsuit legal because everybody overheated everybody did 
Everybody did. And they warned us before we even started this swim to be careful um, in the water because it was already a very hot day. Um, it was mid 80s and in the 80s percentile for humidity by the time the race started, which is very, very warm and the sun's not even up yet. By lunchtime, it was low 90s and over 85% humidity. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know what it was during the run in the hottest part of the day, but I did see that the real field temperature was mid 90s for real feel and 90% humidity. So, you know, it's hard to really imagine what that feels like, but it was brutal. I'll just say that. And a lot of people were affected by it, myself included. Anyways, swim, um, tons of jellyfish, really freaky to see it as you're wading into the water and your ankles, they're floating around you, you know, up to your knees, they're floating around you. You're still wading in up to your waist and they're floating around you and you have 90 minutes to go swim with them, you know? So <laughs> it was a weird feeling, you know? Um, I don't know about your aunt, but yeah, I got stung everywhere. And at first it was a little shocking. Um, you know, you don't know what it's going to feel like. It's, it's like, uh, it's really strange. You don't know what, what it's going to feel like to get stung. So you're just kind of waiting for it to happen and hoping that you don't panic. And thankfully I didn't panic, you know, like the first couple of times I got stung were on. So the only exposure of my body that I had was my hands, my feet and my face and my neck. Cause I had a full body wetsuit, which again, probably not the smartest idea because it was really, really hot, but that's what I had. That's the wetsuit I have. Um, my ankles and wrists were starting to get stung like quite often. And it turns out, you know, the ones on my ankles were bothering me all day, uh, because when sweat dripped over, um, the stings, it like, it hurt a little bit, you know, um, it almost, it almost was more irritating on the run or sorry, on the bike and the run. Um, than it was to actually get stung in the water, which is really strange. But um, the stings weren't terrible, but they were just so many that it just became really annoying, like really annoying. And it felt like they were never going to end. Like I knew I was going to be in the water around 90 minutes. And it got to the point where I couldn't even count how many times I was getting stung anymore. And it was just really annoying, you know, and I'm not going to dwell on it because everybody dealt with it. It wasn't fun, but you know, it just was, it is what it is. And, um, I guess there were more than typical because they allowed the temperature to get a little higher. And, uh, you know, I ended up actually having a really, really great swim. My goal was 90 minutes and I swam in 83 minutes. So I actually got out of the water and it jacked me up a little bit. Like I was feeling, really happy with my swim. And I stayed within myself too. I didn't like, I didn't overdo the swim at all. I didn't feel overheated at all. Um, I had like almost a whole water bottle in transition 
Um, so I felt pretty confident coming out of the water. Um, what about your aunt? Any hear anything about the water for her? No, the, the most I heard was the, uh, well, obviously, <clears throat> I heard about the whole jellyfish ordeal and then just her overheating in the wetsuit. But I didn't, I didn't realize, like, the whole wetsuit eagle thing and all that stuff. I only yeah. communicated with her via text at this point, not, uh, not over the phone or anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, um, I had a couple, like, rough stings. I had one that... I don't think they do this, but it felt like it did to me. I don't think they like cling on to you. And honestly, when you're swimming, you can't see any jellyfish. But um, if you imagine like taking your hand and running it, running your fingers through like long hair or spaghetti, that's what it felt like, like swim swimming. You could feel the tentacles, but you couldn't actually see them once you were swimming. Like as I was wading in, I could see all the jellyfish and it was weird. But once I started swimming, I couldn't see them at all, but I could certainly feel them. And I think like I have a long line on the side of my neck here. And I remembered feeling like there was one that just wouldn't stop stinging me in one spot. So I had to like almost completely stop swimming and like grab it off. Um, so it was definitely annoying at points, but it helped not being able to see them. I feel like if I would have been able to see them, it would have been a little bit weird, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, what, what, was, what wasn't comfortable after the water is <laughs> you get out, you get ready for the bike, and now you're putting sunscreen on all of your jelly stings. And it was just so painful to put the sunscreen on your jellyfish stings. It because I had like a spray sunscreen and it hurts so bad. So that was a little uncomfortable. But anyways, I actually had a really great swim. Didn't feel overheated. Um, drank a lot in transition. Um, transition was, I'll just say this about both transitions because it was the same in the second one. It was really hard to be fast in transition. Um, and that's because when you finished one discipline, you had to go shout your number out to a volunteer. They had to find your bag that had all your gear in it. Then you had to take your bag to a tent, change for the next discipline, and then put all your other stuff, your old stuff back into the bag, give it back to a volunteer, and then go on to the next discipline. So you didn't have anything by your bike, which was a very first time for me. I've never done that before. So it was impossible to be fast in transition. Nobody was fast. Like I looked at the fastest person and they were like six minutes in transition, you know, like it was so hard to be fast in transition. So, and that, you know, compared to other local races where I've had a transition of one minute and one second, you know, and this transition was like 10 minutes and I couldn't have even gone any faster. It was crazy. So, um, transition was just like really relaxed and that was kind of nice because the vibe at the iron man is look let's just gut this out we're not nobody here setting any records we might have a personal record in mind but five ten minutes in transition is not gonna affect a 17 hour day you know <clears throat> so anyway get onto the bike um for me 
what uh, what most people what I don't think I really conveyed this. I may have conveyed it in the in the re, in the um, preview podcast, but I came into this race about ten pounds lighter than I was in June for the Eagle Man seventy point three. So the the science behind being a little bit lighter is if you put the same watt output, the same power output down for, um, you know, absolute, let's say I'm cycling at 200 watts when I'm 190 pounds and then 200 watts at 180 pounds, you're going to actually travel faster if you're a little bit lighter. So um, I traveled around 20 or so miles per hour back in June. And I didn't want to put the same power out because I overbiked back in June. So I biked at around 19.2, 19.3 miles per hour, which isn't as fast. And I weighed less. So the amount of power I was putting out was significantly less. And I felt very comfortable on the bike. And like the whole time I had a great time on the bike around mile, like 90, I could start to feel that the day was getting very warm, but you're on the bike and you're traveling fast enough that the air is going over your body. So you still don't truly feel the effect of the heat yet. Um, so I knew that it was coming, but I was drinking a lot on the bike. Um, there were eight stations every like 12 to 15 miles. <clears throat> and every single aid station, I got a 30 ounce water bottle. I put it into my aero bottle and there were about four ounces left over that couldn't fit in there. I drank it, chucked the bottle. And then before the next aid station, I drank the rest of that bottle. So I was drinking a ton and that's, that's on top of the, um, that's on top of the liquid nutrition that I had. So I had liquid nutrition, infinite nutrition, which was like a, a custom blend of carbohydrate, electrolyte, and a bunch of calories that I sipped on every 15 minutes. And I had about, let me think, I had about 30 and 20. I had almost 60 ounces of that, that I completely drank by the end of the ride also. So I had 60 ounces of my nutrition and then, you know, 20, 30 ounces every 15 miles. So I chugged like liquid to be, to be careful. I had sodium pills and I also had goo gels and I stuck to my routine. And you know what? I got off the bike and I felt like almost like a million bucks. I'm not kidding. I was very pleased. And I was thinking to myself, this is my first mistake of the day. Got off the bike, started jogging immediately. And in my brain, I'm thinking, wow, I can I might be able to trot and jog this entire marathon. That's my first mistake of the day. And I'm not really sure what I, um, what I should have done differently, but I know I, I should have done something differently because not one single person aside from like the elite people, not one person jogged that whole marathon not one person and um i i jogged for about an hour straight and literally passing everybody and i'm thinking to myself 
am I, is this possible for me to jog this whole thing? Cause I still feel really good and nobody else is jogging this whole thing right now. Like, is, am I supposed to be feeling this good? So I'm questioning whether or not I'm like psyching myself up too much or, you know, if I should have not been jogging or if I am able to, like, I, I don't know, even know what's going on. And before I knew it, I, um, I knew I overheated and it happened so fast. I couldn't, I could not get it back. And, you know, you know, I, I, I liken it to almost research because I do some research in exercise physiology, right? So you have cutoff points for research. If your core temp gets elevated past a certain point, the test is done. If you're doing, you know, if you're doing a protocol on research, it's just over. And the reason it's just over when your core temp goes is you can't recover your core temperature unless you stop and cool off, right? Like if you're doing a test that involves monitoring core temperature, there's a clear cutoff point. The test doesn't keep going at a lesser intensity. It's over when you reach that cutoff point. I reached the cutoff point and I still had 20 miles. So mentally for me, that was like a big, <laughs> it was a big challenge to know that for the next 20 miles, when I thought I might be able to jog this whole thing, I had to, I had to turn it into like a, a massive gut check and see what I could do, see if it was possible for me to cool down a little bit so I could keep jogging the way I wanted to. And it just wasn't possible. So um, it turned into a very slow trot and walk interval for most of the rest of the day. And, you know, I'll say that <clears throat> that was um, like, I'm really proud that I it was at least able to do that. I didn't really have an intelligent game plan for the run, which I don't think is anyone's fault, but my own um, being my first Ironman, I didn't really know what game plan I should have on the run. And the day was so hot. I like, there were people falling over left and right on that run. I don't know if you talked to your aunt about that, but dude, there were so many um, ambulances driving around on that run course, flashing lights. I mean, it was, people were getting pulled out left and right. People were quitting left and right. It was, it was wild. And, you know, you say a little prayer for somebody when you see them quitting or when you see them getting pulled off and, you know, you think about them for a second and you hope that everything's okay. It, but in the same sense, it kind of motivates you a little bit to say, look, I don't want to quit. I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me. And I kind of fueled off that a little bit uh, while in the same sense, hoping that everything was all right with everybody who that was happening to. But um What's also difficult, and I heard you mention your your aunt's nutrition on the run. What's also difficult when your core temp goes is you um, you don't want to put anything in your body because you're so uncomfortable. So every aid station was about a mile, and um, they had water, soda, 
Red Bull, Gatorade, chips, pretzels, cookies. By the end of the night, they had chicken broth, you know, a little bit of everything. And I'm trying everything like something, please help me feel better. Nothing. I didn't even want to drink anything. I'm basically just taking water and throwing it all over my body with ice to try to cool down. It literally would give me like a two second relief from the overheating that I was experiencing. Um, it wouldn't really help me much and I didn't want to ingest anything. So, you know, couple that with the heat exhaustion that I'm clearly experiencing and you're, I'm not fueling myself because it doesn't taste good and nothing feels like I want to eat it. Um, I was, I was very depleted, um, for a large portion of that marathon. Um, it was very challenging. Um, so, you know, fast you, forward, go ahead. Were you, were you measuring that some type of way or is it just based off of your, like just your own feeling and knowing yourself? Oh, it was just a feeling I knew. Yeah. I knew I had heat exhaustion at the very least, if not something a little bit worse. Thank yeah. God. It, it, you know, thank God I was able to keep moving and I didn't get like pulled off the course, but um, yeah, I a hundred percent, every symptom of heat exhaustion, I was feeling, you know, nauseous, fatigued. Like I was yawning at mile six. And that's the other thing. You don't get great sleep for this stuff cause you're anxious and you're, you're excited. And I got like two and a half to three hours of sleep the night before. And honestly, it didn't bother me at all because I knew it would be like that. I knew I'd be excited. I knew that I'd be looking forward to it and it'd be tough to sleep. That's part of it. You know, that's probably every single athlete. So whatever, but man, I was just exhausted on that run. I probably could have fallen asleep while I was walking. Like that's how tired I was. So, um, yeah, every symptom of heat exhaustion I definitely had. And, you know, some my cramps weren't like bad. I didn't have like any cramps that I even had to stop for. But, you know, I was cramping a little bit, you know, felt nauseous. Um, I know my core temp was up. I couldn't eat anything. I was exhausted. Um, it was uh, it was a really challenging last, you know, three and a half hours three and a half, four hours, knowing that it was going to be that much longer when I wanted it to be significantly faster. Now, here's the thing. I had a couple goals coming into this race and the very first goal was just become an Ironman, finish the race. You know, the, the cutoff time to become an Ironman is 17 hours, finish the race. That's what my goal was. Then I had other goals on top of that based on how the day was going. And some other goals were, you know, 15 hours. And then some other goals were 13 hours. And then in my head, perfect scenario was about 12 and a half, maybe 12, 15. And, you know, there were, there were some times where I like the 13 hour goal seemed like it was realistic to me. Like I felt like I could have raced about 90 minutes faster overall. And let's be real. <laughs> let's be completely real. My marathon split was seven hours, seven hours. So for me to even sit here and say, I think I could have had an hour faster marathon 
it's not even that much of a stretch because I can run a marathon in four hours. You know, I just didn't have, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan for the marathon. It didn't work out well. And because of my poor plan, I overheated so quickly that um, there was really no recovering. And uh, again, I think if I were to go back and do that again, I would, I would take a much different approach and um, do my best to stay cool. And I think even if I just do that, I probably would have a more enjoyable marathon um regardless of the the temperature of the day the humidity of the day um but you know that comes with experience and that's not something i had going into it so i'm glad i did it i learned a lot and um i look forward to doing it again but not for a very very long time um the training is fun. I love the sport and I, I don't think I'll ever stop, you know, pursuing the sport in some capacity, but in terms of the full distance training, it's a lot for, um, someone with a young family. So, um, a lot of the sacrifices you have to make to train 20 plus hours per week, um, are just not conducive to having a super young family. So, I'm sure that one day I might, I might want to pursue this again, but, um, it's probably going to be, you know, like literally like double digit years away, you know, so it's not in the near future whatsoever. Um, but I do want, I want to get after it again because I feel like I can have a smarter game plan and just perform a little bit better and enjoy the day a little bit more if I were to go after it again. But, I know it's going to be quite a while. So, um, I'm not in any rush to do it again. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I'm excited to continue in the sport, um, at maybe still some long course, but not full distance Ironman more, uh, more 70.3s. That's kind of like my wheelhouse where it's challenging enough that you have to train hard for it. Um, but it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna decapitate me, you know, like this race did. But mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to training for more like 70.3 stuff and just like staying in the sport because the training's fun. It's just not 20 hours a week isn't always fun. Um, mm -hmm. It's not always realistic. So I, I do love the sport. I love the training. I'm gonna continue but um, not with the, the volume that's required for full distance. So also I didn't even say I finished in like 14 and a half hours. So my heart kind of broke for people because the, the run loop was three loops of about eight and a half miles. And I'm finishing my last loop with like another mile to two miles to go. And I'm hearing people say, all right, we have two and a half hours for this last loop or I have two and a half hours for 10 or 12 more miles or whatever it is. And my heart just broke because I was so close to being done. And I felt like broken myself. I just couldn't imagine being out there for another two and two plus hours. So big, big kudos to anyone who gutted that out on that day, because that day was a challenge. There were a lot of people who, like I had some friends do that race who performed like two hours slower than they wanted to. 
um, for some similar reasons. I had I had passed a lot of people who were getting pulled off the course, unable to speak, unable to really even sweat. Like people were hyponatremic and absolutely heat exhausted. So it was a hard day. And to anyone who was out there for even part of that day, kudos to you. Whether or not you finished on time at all, it doesn't matter. That was a hard day to even toe the line. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my finish. I think everybody should be proud for even showing up. That was a really tough day. But anyways, that's what I got. <laughs> you have anything, any questions or anything else from your, uh, from your aunt? Yeah, no, I, uh, no, congratulations. That was awesome. I was definitely, um, I was, uh, that you had that tracker that you sent me. So yeah. I was definitely keeping tabs there, um, getting updates on you. So that's awesome. And I, I think I agree with you there that anyone that kind of jumped in, that's awesome. And, uh, congratulations there. But, um, yeah, no, you kind of went through, you answered most of the questions that I think I have written down, actually, so good. Um, so I, mean, I guess now, what's next in your training? Just kind of obviously recovering and then maybe get back into some some strength work? Is that where you think oh, you're going to go? Yeah, so I'm going to, um, I'm taking this week basically like as easy as I can. So I'm not ready to train even today. So today's Tuesday. The race was Saturday. Um well, I'll touch on this briefly. Saturday after the race, I was very bad. I was in rough shape after the race. Right when I crossed the finish line, I was okay. Laid down for a little bit. I was okay. Um, another mistake that I made after the race was I took a shower. And my core temp was still not recovered. And the shower was a little bit too warm. And it just kind of sent me into a little bit of a spiral and I was not good after that shower for a little bit, just cause I, <laughs> my core temp wasn't recovered and I gave myself a, a warm shower and it just, it made me very sick. And thankfully I didn't get sick, but I was extremely nauseous and of course fatigued and I didn't want to eat anything. And of course you have to eat something. Otherwise, you know, you can't go to sleep on an empty stomach after something like that. So um, it was rough. It was a challenge that night. And as soon as I laid down, I remember waking up the next day in the exact same position. Like I didn't move an inch the whole night, which was really funny, but I felt a lot better the next morning. I slept in the car on the way home a little bit. Um, I had a couple, I've had two sleeps now back in my bed in my house and I feel, I feel better, but muscularly, I even said to you before we started recording muscularly, I thought by today, you know, I'd be ready to like start throwing some weights around or something. <laughs> it's not happening. I'm still so sore. Um, so uh, I'm hoping to be able to like do some easy stuff tomorrow, maybe. Um, maybe just like I'm definitely not running until next week just to give my joints a full week to recover. But I thought I'd be able to lift a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe not. And that's fine, but I might, might hop on the bike a little bit tomorrow and just kind of get the blood flowing a little bit, but today I'm still pretty darn sore. So, um, but anyway, into the off season. Yeah. My goal, I'm going to be, uh, I'll be lifting heavy, probably three days a week. 
Um, I have a little off season block that I've already planned out. I'll probably run by you at some point, but I'm going to still swim, bike and run. Um, but the volume of my swim, bike and run is going to be dropped like ridiculously. So the, you know, I was just swim, bike and running, you know, 18 to 21 hours per week. And I'm going to essentially be dropping it to like six to eight, you know, so a third, basically a third and very low intensity too. So it's basically just the maintenance, right? That's what we do in the off season. Well, in the off season we build, but my focus on the build and in, in my off season is going to be uh, resistance training. So that's my focus on the build. I'm just going to maintain a good, uh, a solid base level of fitness in triathlon. And then um, as I approach next triathlon season, I'll have a small build and then I'll have another, um, I'll have a, a 16 week build for a 70.3 race that I'm going to do in June. So, um, but dude, that it feels good to, to know that I have nothing planned until that 70.3 race in June, I have nothing. And it feels really good. I'm just going to enjoy, um, enjoy the off season. I, I would love to throw some weight around, get a little stronger, um, with some of my core lifts and definitely. So this is a big one. Also my posterior chain, um, cause that's most of where I'm sore. And so that, you know, that means a lot of deadlifting, good mornings, um, some accessory low back work. Um, and that's a big one. And of course, for muscle balance, I'm not just going to be lifting my posterior chain or anything, but that's definitely my focus. Um, because that's what gives out first when you're in arrow position on the bike for 112 miles, your posterior chain is like shot, shot. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to off season. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to soak it, soak this in. And, you know, with every day that passes, I feel happier that I did it. So, um, yeah, I feel good. Um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, the next, this next little season. So cool. Yeah. That's all yeah. I got. What else you got? No, man, that's uh that's awesome work definitely paid off i didn't doubt that it would but yeah. awesome work so um no that's all i got for this one um yeah. thanks for keeping us in the loop uh like i said i'm trying to get in contact with my aunt and uh if if the things align um we'll try to yeah uh, that'd be awesome to, to kind of hear her perspective of uh the whole race that'd be sweet yeah absolutely so um yep no that's all i got my man Cool. Well, thanks guys for listening. This was episode 40 Hill Pursuit Podcast. Check us out on uh, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts. Check out the website, hillpursuit.com, where you can access the daily blog and all other podcasts. And then, of course, um, social media at Hill Pursuit, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to start a conversation, ask a question, just reach out. You can always send us an email, hillpursuit at gmail.com. Until next time. Thank you guys for listening and uh